Hello and welcome to the Movement Prescription Podcast. I'm Callum Lees. I'm the host for today. I'm a GPSD3 at Aberfeldy and a researcher at the University of Dundee with an interest in physical activity. The aim of the podcast is to provide continuous professional development for primary care staff around physical activity. Today we've got Hamish Reid with us. Hamish qualified as a doctor in 2006 from the University of Edinburgh. And after several years of the British Army, worked as an expedition doctor and then some time in ED. He's now a consultant in sports and exercise medicine, working in Christchurch, New Zealand. He's previously worked in the NHS, sports and exercise medicine roles, as well as an elite sport, and is the clinical director of Moving Medicine and set up the first Active Hospitals pilot and co-developed Active Conversations with Tim Anstis. Hamish, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Carl. Uh, no worries. Thanks for particularly joining us from New Zealand. No, it's good. I uh, I wondered initially, for those that don't know Moving Medicine and the resources available, if you could give us the elevator pitch for, for Moving Medicine. Well, that's, that's putting me on the spot for starters, isn't it? So yeah, Moving Medicine is an initiative led by the Faculty of Sport and Exercise Medicine with widespread collaboration across different professional bodies um, in the UK and also internationally. And it's the, the primary ambition is to help improve both the frequency and also the quality of conversations around physical activity uh, in uh, like across healthcare, really, particularly in the management of long-term medical conditions. Yeah, oh, thanks, Hamish. Yeah, it's super amazing. And you've got conversation guides for different lengths of conversations as well and for different conditions, which can be super helpful in primary care and in secondary care to, to engage in people in conversation about physical activity. And the other thing that I mentioned and, and you developed with Tim is the Active Conversations course, which is a, a motivational interview course to help engage and, and teach uh, health professionals of, of all levels to, to talk about physical activity. I did it January last year and would super recommend it. I think it is 16 weeks. Is that right, Hamish? Yeah, I, was, I think the standard is 12 weeks to get through with a, with a couple of weeks either end. But 12. yeah, the course content is, is 12 weeks to get through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, obviously we've had some exceptional students through Cal. I'll, uh, I'll put a link to the to the course and to Moving Medicine in the resources, so please check that out afterwards. Well, just to get to get going after putting in the spot, Hamish, one question I, I really enjoyed asking Rob Lawson the other week was about best habits. I'm wondering if uh, if you could tell us what your best habit is and why. I bet you're glad you, you had this a bit in advance because <laughs> otherwise you'd definitely be on the spot for this one. I, I think I think best habit for me probably is getting up early. Uh, I think I I like to get up early, and that actually has been maybe the bane of my life with small children. But that's that's a time for me that for the way that I operate, I'm most productive in life. So I've always, if I've got something to do or some work to get through, I'll get up early and do that. And also, if you you know if you're on adventures or doing other things in life. It's a good time, you know, good time of day to to meet the start of start of the day, and I guess it helps me feel like I get ahead of myself in the daytime. Yeah, I once read in a book that we have, as people, we have the most autonomy over our mornings because there's the least influence of others, and so particularly if you're trying to make behavioural changes, doing so first thing is really important. And they talked about if you're trying to make dietary changes. One of the things that you can change the first or, or easiest to change is, is your breakfast because often it's not dictated by other people. And so maybe that, that kind of fits into to winning the morning and, and, and your best no, I'd, I'd agree. I agree that. I think that's true. Apart from if you have multiple small children, then that's not true. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, oh man, I, I don't have any yet. So, uh, so yeah, that's probably why I'm not experienced. Not experienced the yeah, choice. Yeah. But otherwise, it's a glorious <laughs> uh, time. Yeah. Bro. I uh, hey, Mitch, as, as someone that's that's you know, early on in their career, as both a doctor and a and a, and a GP, uh, and reaching the end of my training, what what advice would you give someone in my position? Or or to rephrase that question, what one thing do you wish you'd known earlier in your career? I think. Uh, this isn't a if you're known thing. I, I think the I think an important thing is to trust your instincts about what feels right for you in your journey through medicine, because there's it's such a railroaded pathway in so many ways in terms of, and there's always pressure to kind of get through the next phase of training or to get onto a program or to get here and there. But I think there's a risk that you end up just you know missing out on some of the things that you're primarily interested in or kind of give you value at the end of it as well. So um, that would be my thoughts is just make, making sure you don't get too bound by the kind of the, the demands and expectations of the training system, I'd have thought. Yeah, I, uh, that's interesting. I think a lot of people talk about getting caught up on the conveyor belt. Yeah. And certainly looking through your, your, your LinkedIn and, and all the things you've done, that, that's something, not something that you've done. You've had a, a pretty interesting and, and amazing career, but uh, maybe that's for another podcast. Yeah, and on that front, I think I think I think having mentors is really important in doing that. And if you want to just take an atypical pathway, then having having good mentors is really important. That's probably somewhere that I haven't haven't um, prioritised enough as I've as I've gone through training. Yeah. Last question before we we get stuck into conversation about motivational interviewing with a name like Hamish on Calcutta Cup Day. Are you a blue or a white fan? I'm blue cup. <laughs> yeah, good answer. Not my, not by, not by my accent, but um, yeah, by my uh, my dad, <laughs> and also I played a bit for Scottish unis as well. It's, p- it's particularly easy being a blue fan at the moment, seeing that that England. It's is a so great terrible. time, isn't it? It's just <laughs> it's just the World Cup draw, Cal. That's the only problem. Yeah, pretty gutted about that, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to touch on on uh, motivational interview, and particularly on the back of the active conversations course that that you and Tim set up. It's a pretty huge topic and I think we'll only scrape the surface uh, I'll probably as ever I'll be over ambitious and trying to fit in more than, than we have time for so uh, please please stop me if I get carried away here Hamish but uh, I actually I thought a good place to start is is probably at the start of the patient journey and it's almost pre-motivational interviewing but in terms of setting up our consulting rooms and our waiting rooms do you have any advice or, or anything you'd recommend to to healthcare professionals and, and particularly in primary care, but but a, across the, the the spectrum that we could do to to influence behaviour through the way that we set up our, our waiting rooms and our consulting rooms? Yeah, I, I guess there's a range of different ways of looking at that. For, for me, one of the things that makes me think about is that you know one of the barriers to talking about physical activity that's quite pervasive amongst clinicians is the expectation of futility in terms of bringing it up and having not productive conversations um, that people don't want to talk about um, and therefore shying away from them. The other hand to that, if if patients can be initiating conversations, then it really changes the game in terms of of that, that experience for clinicians. So it is a really useful thing to focus on so when you look at a patient journey coming in, I think there's environmental modifications you can look at. So, for instance, making 
information available, posters, leaflets, clear signposting, opportunities for people to stand in waiting rooms, you know, things like this, just clear signposting that facilitates movement, I suppose, whilst it's a very static environment. I mean, there's there's places that set up little walking loops in waiting rooms and things like that for outpatients and stuff. So there's lots of different ways of approaching that environmental constraint, which you can just put a mindset that movement really is a part, a core part of health and also the healthcare experience. As well as that, I think everybody within the environment can be um, contributing to the behavior change around physical activity. And this is the same for other lifestyle factors, but for instance, you know, reception staff or, um, you know, if you're going for a nursing check in an outpatient's department to do your height and weight or, you know, whatever contacts there are along the way or, or porters moving someone around or something like that, there's, there's opportunities for conversations um, in all of these places. And that's what I think is, as a system, actually, some of them are just as influential for some people um, as as conversations with clinicians, probably. So, so I guess that's a training thing, partly as well. Yeah, it's really interesting, and, and you know, as as doctors, we often have influence but lack time, uh, whereas people like porters have the time to have those conversations and and may have a, a greater influence as a consequence of being able to to really engage in those in those conversations. And they might be better at identifying with people's own values. You know, there, there may be stories and life experiences that, that can connect them really brilliantly with people that actually, um, you know, what, whatever role you have in healthcare, um, you can you can contribute to people's perception of ownership and opportunity in terms of take, taking command of their own healthcare. Yeah. I suppose the next step is patients in consultation. And in an ideal world, We've done something correct in in the build up to them coming in that they bring up physical activity off their own bat. Yeah, and if they do, we can hopefully jump on that and and, and have the have both the 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 skills and and the enthusiasm with which to do so. I suppose futility comes in there. Maybe that's something we can talk about later. But what if that doesn't happen? What tips do you have for bringing up physical activity in a consultation? Well, I guess we need to recognise at this stage that the consultation is likely to have range of objectives and so there needs to be prioritization in in the in the consultation about those objectives so often like if you're you know we're we're talking a lot to the primary care audience as often there's often primary objectives that are that a patient would have come in for something's happening at the moment or there's a you know it's a chronic disease checkup or there's 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 some sort of issues going on so it's going to be rarely the primary um, focus of, of the consultation unless someone's been invited back specifically for that. So I think either you can look to, and, and again, it's time dependent. So this is where what you decide to say is important within the time because time is the pervasive barrier to all behaviour change conversations because you have to get through so many different things, as we all know. But if if you feel that's important, then one of the things that we struggle with a little bit is the feeling that if we're going to talk about physical activity a successful conversation on physical activity is going to involve a plan and in a way that's often a quite a big barrier to the conversation because it's pretty hard if you've got a minute to come up with a plan around physical activity so often that perception of the time limitations will stop us bringing up the physical activity conversation but so but if we go into that conversation looking to make someone end that consultation more likely to 
consider changing their physical activity behavior or more likely to engage with you in a subsequent event around physical activity conversation or something like that. If those are our objectives, then actually that's, that's, that's a big help in terms of our mindset about what we're looking to achieve. And then bringing it up, I guess, in the, in the frameworks in moving medicine, you'll find that one of the ways we hang it is around the, the disease itself or the, the medical condition. So, you know, we've just been through your blood pressure medication um, and, uh, and that's all looking pretty good now. We've got two minutes left of the consultation would you, would you mind if I brought up another thing that's really important for the management of this and also your health going forwards? Very few people will say no to that. And you can say, well, physical activity is a really important thing for managing blood pressure because it can you know, help control your blood pressure, but also reduce your risk of having a stroke. And um, what do you think of that? And then offer someone the opportunity to to come back at you. And they might say, yeah, yeah, I know all of that. Or I didn't know that. I'm interested in that. Or you know, and if that's if that's your time frame, then you can follow that up and say, well, if that is of interest, perhaps it's something you'd like to come back and talk about on another on another occasion, and try and set up that or signpost a resource or something like that. And actually, that in itself is 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 perfectly adequate, particularly in a medical consultation, to bring it up as an important thing, use the opportunity to share some information, but also respect the patient's autonomy by asking their own input on what you said. So I think that's that's certainly a way of doing it to to hang it on the back of what you've just been talking about. And that last example you just gave is, is a perfect example of the one minute conversation. It's an ask, share, ask, which is ask and, or invite someone into the conversation, yeah. share a little bit about physical activity and then ask them their opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think putting it back to the, the futility thing, I think it's, it's an important thing to, to, to talk about and mention. You mentioned time being a big barrier and, and I've done some research which shown that is the the biggest barrier to anyone implementing physical activity, and it, it's both time pressures themselves and and the the perceived pressure of of how long it's going to take to to deliver the physical activity promotion. The other the other interesting thing I actually don't know where this research was done, but the number needed to treat for smoking cessation is between one in fifty and one hundred and twenty, but for physical activity promotion, it's it's one in twelve to have an influence on behaviour, and so. As a number needs to treat it, it's much better in primary care delivered than than smoking cessation. It's just a, an attitude, so uh, or an approach. And so, if we can can really drill into that and and persuade people to do it, then then the influence is likely to be much bigger. Yeah, and I think with that influence, it comes down to the expectations of behaviour change as well, doesn't it? So yeah, it it comes down to the expectations of that behaviour change as well, right? So so. That there's going to be very few conversations you're going to have with anyone that's going to totally revolutionise their physical activity behaviours. They do happen, but that's unlikely to be the case. But as long as we're not pushing people to do something that's on our own agenda and we're hoping them bring out the things that are important to them and them strengthen their own reasons for change, that's the way that we're going to build to lasting change for them. And and going into our conversations with that priority, I think for me, is the, is the most important thing. And actually recognizing that within time limitations, as long as we focus on a bit of that, that's that's okay. And it's it's that prioritization thing around time that's that's um, that's important. Yeah. Just touching on that, Hamish, and maybe it's better safe to the end. But seeing it's come up, one of the biggest pressures is time, and I think that's one of the biggest things that put people off. And and do you have any tips of of how we get out? Say that we we start the conversation. It's growing arms and legs, and we're thinking, "Gosh, we just we've got three people waiting. How do we how do we close that conversation?" Or not so much 
prevent it from happening, but push it to a further location or a time. Yeah, and, and it's really important to do that. And it's a skill that I've trained in a few different, you know, prime in sort of G, general practice roles. And, and, and GPs are the ultimate masters at, at managing time and conversations and things like that and, and always amaze me with their skills. With, with this kind of thing, there's a, there's a couple of things probably that can be useful one of the one of the really useful things I think to um, to do if we're going to be kind of as MI consistent as we can in in this objective is using a summary. So if we feel that we've we've had a lot, we've got some great content, and someone's really talking, and we really want to get more because we're onto a great thing, but we've got three people in the waiting room, time's ticking, we're already five minutes over, and you know you've got to get away to a meeting at lunchtime. You have to wrap things up. So summary is a really nice way of summarizing. And there, so there's a, there's an analogy of um, using a summary like um, picking wildflowers from a field where you go around and, and the field is is all the things that that person said and what you've gone and you've gone and picked a few things from the field and put probably like change talk and, and, and things like that. You've picked the real highlights and you've packaged them up and you've given them back to someone. And in doing that, they can hear their own words and their own expressions for change, and you can really powerfully reinforce their own position that they've just that they've just articulated. And actually, hearing your own thoughts back clarifies them in a very powerful way in your mind. So you can use a summary by saying, "I'd just like to take this opportunity to summarise what, what I think you've just what I think I've heard at, at this time." And so I think that you've said this, 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 and then actually before you did this, 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 and you're looking towards doing this, 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 and you think you might be able to do it here and here. Did I get that about right? And someone can say, no, you got that absolutely wrong. And then you know you're onto a bit of a winner and you need a new technique. Or they might say, yeah, that's that's a pretty good reflection of, of where I am. And if they say that, then you can say, okay, because now we're actually at a point where I'm afraid we're going to have to um, move on with this conversation because we've got I've, we've got other patients in the waiting room and being honest about that people absolutely understand that and just being transparent around that but say look what you've told me sounds really important and I'm really uh, really interested in this is this is so important for your health what you just told me that perhaps this is something that we can build on on a future conversation or signpost them to you know um, a social prescriber or you know a nurse specialist or if you if you're not going to have the time to do that yourself um but actually, it's a really nice thing to be able to, you know, one of the really nice things you can do in primary care is you can bring that person back to yourself in a way that in other roles you can't necessarily. Um, so that, if you can fit that in, is a really nice way of doing it, I think. Um, a, a sort of summary like that, yeah. It's nice you touched on if, if you miss as well. I think if, if you summarise and the patient says, no, yeah. that's not what I meant. What I meant was... And they give you it, they, they reflect themselves and it's almost like a win-win. I think that's that's a, a, a cool thing to touch on, or at least it feels like that. Yeah, and they help to clarify what they are trying to say. So they, they actually, hearing it back might help them think, actually, no, that isn't really, and, it's, and, it, and we shouldn't be inhibited by the fact we might get it wrong. As long as we're honest and, and as long as we're curious about what we're saying, it gives them an opportunity to clarify that. Um, it doesn't help your time pressure, but it really can be helpful for the individual I suppose what you've touched on is summarizing and reflective listening, which is a huge part of being able to summarize or a huge part of, of motivational interviewing and, and reflective listening itself. The, 
I was telling you, Hamish, just before we came on, Kirsty texted me and said, remember to speak about ORS. And ORS is a is an acronym to summarize reflective listening. I'm probably going to get this wrong now, but I, I think it stands for opening question. An opening question. Uh, oh, gosh, what's the second? This is what's good. This is, like, this is your pass fail off the course, isn't it, Cal? Yeah. The, um, so <laughs> open know, questions is the first yeah, one. So right? Open question, yeah. affirmation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then reflections and and summaries. Yeah. So they're all really brilliant tools. And and to be honest, when if you do learn a bit of motivation thing, to be honest, in in clinical practice, these are the things that I keep in my head, particularly when I was learning to keep using, you know, in terms of improving my, my listening, you know, open questions, affirmations, reflections, and summaries. Um on on it, open questions are something that we learn. I think all healthcare professionals learn open questions and the value of them. When when I learned MI, I realized, although I'd spent quite a lot of time trying to learn open questions, I realized I wasn't very good at it. And we ask so many closed questions in practice that actually if you record what you do and then look, listen back to how many closed questions you ask, it's a bit terrifying. So our objective is to ask more open questions and closed questions, preferably twice as many. So then an affirmation is something that I hadn't really learned before um, coming across MI. I don't know about you, Cal. No, I hadn't touched on it either. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and there's an important difference between an affirmation and praise, right? So, um, and like praise is just saying, oh, well done. That's fantastic. Good on you. Those sorts of things. But an affirmation is something that reinforces a, a good part about that individual. So it's specific to them and something that they've said. And you're pulling out something about their character, their behavior, their values that, that you think is a really good thing and you want to reinforce for them. And that can help. Um, improve their confidence and all of that sort of thing um, by doing that. So that's, that's a really... Could you give us a, an example of, of, of an affirmation, Hamish, just for people that haven't come across it before or, or aren't quite sure exactly what, what that might look like? Well, Cal, you're an excellent questioner in podcasts and you put a lot of thought into, into asking me questions in a really nice way. I'll take that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so it's so it's trying to pull something out that, that the individual's been doing for you and not not so not not for you but but it has been sort of saying to you or or if someone was talking about um you know if they liked um running the cake stand at a fate or something like that you could say something like you you're you're you know you really give a huge amount of value to looking after the people around you yeah, yeah. And I think it's helpful as well that it doesn't have to be related to what we're trying to achieve. So it doesn't need to be related to physical activity or, or movement or them promoting health. It could be just an aspect of their character, which we're, which yeah. we're trying to build into what we're trying to achieve moving forward. Yeah, and you can turn the tables on things a little bit. So someone might say, like, I've tried to stop smoking like 15 times and I just, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely useless at it. So they might be feeling really negative. And actually you can say, now you've, despite having failed to commit, to stop smoking four, 14 times, you've gone back and you've done it at 15 times. That shows that you're a really committed and strong-willed person. You know, so you can really try and, um, you know, like steer towards some strength that people may not see about themselves. And they might say, oh, actually, well, I suppose that did take a bit of effort when I went the 15th time and maybe I shouldn't give up because... You know, here I am, and maybe maybe I'm actually better than I thought it was, or something like that. So helping people try and reflect on some of those things. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really cool point, and I think that's a conversation. Certainly, I have a lot, 
particularly around diets and weight loss, people say, I've tried so many times and nothing works for me. And actually that's a, you know, that affirmation is a really powerful one. I think uh, I hadn't thought of using it, but I'll maybe steal it, uh, trademark you in it as well. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a really nice, simple one, isn't it? And um, helping people see the good things that they've done. And we know that the more times people try, the more likely they are to succeed. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really helpful. And yeah, thanks for, for kind of unpacking your oars for us and the reflective bit and the, the, the summarizing something we covered yeah. you know, just you know, five minutes ago. So that's brilliant. Thank you. you know, another thing that, that really struck me about the Active Conversations course and, and one technique that I love using is the scaling or confidence question. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to talk listeners through it and, and the impact it, it can have. So this is not where we put you through as a little tester post course again, yeah. To uh, to to do to do your best, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, so it's, it is a really nice tool, um, and for 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 ways that I think at face value you don't necessarily realise. So the the aim of it basically is we generally use it to looking at the importance people ascribe to a change and also the confidence that they have to to make that change happen. So we might have had a conversation where you've said something like. Uh, when you've when you've dropped the this is a conversation I had someone the other day actually when she drops the kids off at school in the morning that's a time that she could walk up the hill and back and so I could say something like okay so on a on a scale of one to ten where one is not at all important and ten is the most important thing you can think of how important is it to you that you start walking up and down the hill after you drop the kids off at school. And then what might you say back to me? It's about four, Hamish, about four. So, and you say four to me, right? So this is just things. So our natural response is, oh, that's a bit low, isn't it? Like, maybe you're not going to do this. But what I can use, like, essentially the numbers of using this tool is irrelevant. So what I can say to you, oh, you said four, Cal. Like, how come you said, like, four and not two? Because what, what happens when I say that to you is I force you to talk about the positive things that you have towards that importance. But no, but it's really awesome like that because it's a way that you can, like whatever they say, you can basically steer them towards. The, like if they say 10, you can go, wow, how come you said 10 and not nine, you know, or, or whatever. But the only challenge that sometimes people feel is, well, what about if they say zero? And people do say zero. And if they say zero, they're generally like that's See that as a resistance behavior. So for whatever reason, like you're you're pushing them into a conversation that they're not happy with. So you're removing their locus of tr control by this. They're not, they're not happy with it and they want to make that point. So you can just say something like, wow, you feel really strongly about that. And they'll be, yeah, I do feel really strongly about that because walking up the hill is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, you know, or whatever it is. Um, so, but it, like finding a way to reflect back at them and not not to create friction with what they say. Like, come on, it can't be zero. No one says zero. It's not zero. Yeah, it's zero. You know, so don't get yourself into an argument. Just reflect back on on, on something about their behaviour, and then they'll they'll come back at you and explain more. And then you should hopefully move into something more constructive. But so the zero answer is the only one that it's worth just having. If they say one, you can say, "How come one, not zero? It's the same thing. It's really helpful. I think definitely having a uh, a response to zero questions is probably quite helpful. Otherwise, you can be caught off guard. Yeah. And yeah. 
And I think sometimes it's easy to react when you're off guard by saying something like, well, that's obviously not yeah, true. Yeah. You must, you must have yeah, some confidence you might be yeah. able to achieve it. No, and I think, yeah. I think saying, I think saying, wow, you feel really strongly about that. For me, that works, that works well. I feel comfortable saying that and I find that people respond to that quite well. So I just say that. I think touching on that, one of the, the huge benefits of, of the Active Conversations course was you and Tim, but also the, the open forum in which people would post their own experiences, because I think we can all learn from that and and develop techniques and skills and answers to, to questions when we're stumped, just have them on the tip of our tongue and, and be able to respond in ways which are non-judgmental. And and also even things like the affirmations, it's really great to to have have stock responses because often the meaning behind a lot of what people say, although in different contexts can be quite similar and they can work. For example, the the one that you gave about uh, oh gosh, I can't remember. I was going to say about about obesity. You were saying smoking. Yeah, fifteen attempts at yeah. smoking. No, that's so. absolutely right. And yeah, hearing real life examples and stuff, it's great. I just wanted to touch on developing discrepancy, which is another thing that that's covered in the course, and and I think it's a a really helpful tool as well for for almost prompting change in in individuals. <laughs> I realise I keep pushing this on to you Hamish but could you just quickly talk us through what we mean what we mean by what we mean by that and and yeah bring in the two possible futures model if you fancy but but no worries if not yeah so developing discrepancies i guess one of the the you know like a fundamental component of of motivation interviewing but what what it involves is getting someone to reflect upon uh their own value system and what's important to them and identifying the difference between what's happening in their life and what that value system is. So quite often you'll find that people will, in the, like say they used to play football. So you take a 54-year-old man who used to play football and be really sporty and then he got into his career and got a knee injury and put on some weight and these sorts of things. Often in his, you know, in his heart, he might see himself as a, as a, as a, as a fit and active person. But the reality of his life is he isn't that person anymore. So developing discrepancies, helping someone see the difference between what is their values and what's important to them and what's happening at the moment. And that can be a really, really powerful, really powerful um, driver of change to help people see that difference. The, 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 the two possible futures model is kind of a construct of trying to help people see discrepancy and the way that you use that is to say okay if 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 we take a behavior change to so say you manage to go twice a week to your aquafit classes and you manage to keep that up and you decide you want to do it and you manage to keep it up for the next four months if you manage to do that what do you think your life might look like then and that gives someone an opportunity to say, well, I, I feel that actually I, I, I know that I need to get a bit stronger and move more to help my knee pain. And also I'm trying to lose weight. And if I'm more active, then that generally helps me feel more healthy and eat a bit better. So I think I'd have lost a little bit of weight and I think my knee would be feeling a bit better if I did that. And then you can say, well, let's say actually you left today and you thought that's really actually not not for me at the moment. I don't I don't want to. I don't really want to go and start doing those classes. And you just carried on your life as you are at the moment. 
what might your life look like then? And then they might say something like, well, I guess I'd be as I am now. I might have put on more weight because I've been putting on quite a bit of weight over recent months um, or something like that. So so helping them see the difference, you know, to look project forwards and see see what that sort of fork in the road might look like and what might mean to them and, and, and the important things in their life. Great. Thank you. I think it's a, a really cool tool I've used a couple of times just to help people. It, it, it's similar to the, the scaling question and, and creating a, a priority and, and, and a reason for, for engaging in action. But it's a really, it, it's a really cool tool and, and yeah, I've enjoyed using it. So I can't, I, I can't really say whether it's been effective. I hope it has, but it's the long-term effectiveness is, is hard to tell. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I'll come back. Maybe we'll have to do another one in a couple of years time, Hamish, and I'll let you know give you some feedback yeah you'll, you'll have all these yeah like uh skinny people running into your in, into your uh clinic room without cigarettes yeah. yeah yeah i hope so i hope so yeah yeah oh cool well look I, i've i've really enjoyed that we could have talked for ages longer and and i think that's just a a marker of, of how much there is to cover and and also again the importance of of doing the course or or doing more reading in, into motivation interviewing and, and how it can be used particularly in, in in healthcare settings i'll put some resources in the in the link uh, in the podcast but just for for reference hamish could how how can i sign up for active conversations if if i decide i want to do it for a second or even a third time yeah well on your performance today cal i would recommend doing it again uh yeah just to get some refreshes yeah <laughs> no but so if you go to the moving medicine website there is um, a link at the top that says online course. So the Moving Medicine website is movingmedicine.ac.uk and there's a link to online course. If you click on that, it will take you through to uh, the course and you can just um, uh, sign up to the course there. Um, and um, yeah, there's... Amazing. There's there's, um, there's there's lots of different motivation interviewing courses around. Our course is specifically around physical activity and behaviour change. Looking at person-centred conversations and... We tried to make it as sort of user friendly as possible, focus on clinical scenarios and accessible to as many people as want to use it. So um, hopefully, hopefully there's, um, you know, people will find some value in that. And we, we love we love seeing people on it and hearing all the different stories people get up to and different clinical conundrums. Like you say, it's great to share that stuff. And that's how we learn. Yeah. It keeps teaching me lots. Oh, well, Luke, you've taught me lots and yeah, I really appreciate it. And, and hopefully the listeners have learned something as well. So. Yeah, Luke, thanks, Hamish. Thanks for joining us. And, and if you want to find out more, check out Moving Medicine and, and Active Conversations online. Thank you, Cal. It's been a pleasure.